all sides fantasy. Hello and welcome to episode six of the Without Equal podcast. So Without Equal is the official podcast of Sine Pari, and I'm joined today. Uh, I'm Rob McQueen, your host, and I'm joined today by my co-hosts and co-founders of Sine Pari, Chris Perry uh, and Steve Cargill. So today we're going to talk about commitment issues and not something that's pretty prevalent in special operations, but uh, we're going to focus on the other side of this uh, and we're going to talk about what happens when an organization or, uh, and we're going to focus primarily on, on the military at this point, but when an organization has a decision made at the top level or external forces that are going to drive and create strife and challenges for the leaders that exist below that upper echelon. And we're going to focus on what those issues can look like. We're going to use the DOD's vaccine mandates as an example. And then we're going to really get into what we think you can do and what we've done and and how our experiences led to dealing with those problems. Because often you're going to have to make things work when there's external forces that are driving you in a different direction. So with that, uh, let's go ahead and get started and kind of, I guess I'll start today and I'll dig into our case study and what we're going to look at. So right now, and I'm sure on the top of everyone's mind with uh, the shift in the world and the last two years is COVID. And what we're facing inside of DOD is a, I think it's been going for about a year now, right? I think it started January of last year, uh, is the vaccine mandate for all DOD personnel. So this has led to a kind of massive strife uh, inside of DOD, where, I mean, in some cases, I think in some of the National Guard units, we're seeing up to 10% of personnel are refusing to take the COVID vaccine uh, and are thus being. Uh, what we call chaptered out or removed from service, right? I know there's a lot of personnel that are being barred from re-enlistment, so they're not necessarily being kicked out, but they're not allowing them to stay for another enlistment. Uh, and you also have, I think, the, the most uh, visible case of this is you have a large amount of Navy SEALs that are uh, refusing to take the vaccine uh, and are also being removed from service. So there's a lot that goes into this, and I think we're going to have to kind of talk through uh, the DOD thought process. Uh, we're going to talk about kind of the thought process from higher. We'll talk a little bit about us uh, and our experience with what it's like being in the service because it's very different than being in just a normal company. Uh, and then from there, we're, we're really going to look at what these kind of top-driven issues can cause and, and how to address it. So Steve, I kind of want to transition over to you, man. Um, and let's talk about um, kind of the attitude um, that we've seen from senior leadership. And I think between the three of us, we can kind of talk about that piece and rationalize that and let, let our listeners understand what that means uh, and, and kind of our add our own piece to it. Okay, yeah. What I've seen is that uh, senior leaders are, are tr- within the military are truly following that the archetype of adhering to the guidance and the order given by the civilian oversight, uh, especially with this incident uh, with the COVID vaccine implementation. And the idea is that it's another order, and just like any other order, you are to follow it. Uh, You see the idea that, uh, you know, if you were to be ordered to go to war, despite what your feelings might be regarding whatever land it is, whatever government we're opposing, you're expected to go to war. And so this is the same sort of mentality for a lot of the leadership out there is that you have an order. There is a mandate from our civilian oversight, the president of the United States, 
and that you simply have to follow orders. And if you don't, there are consequences. There's the uh, Uniform Code of Military Justice, UCMJ. Uh, and so there are provisions for dealing with what is being viewed as insubordination. Um, and then also you've got the history of the military issuing vaccines and shots uh, throughout one's career. At, at one's inception, there's several vaccines that you'll receive before you go into boot camp. And so they say, all right, you took those without question. What about this? What's the difference? And so there's a lot of these arguments that the, the senior leaders are uh, putting forth to help with their enforcement. And so you have people that, uh, that, that have their own mind uh, with this situation. And despite those arguments, despite the tradition of adhering to civilian oversight, are still rejecting uh, this mandate uh, for, for many reasons. And we can get into to several of those as we go along. I think that's good. I think that sums it up, right? And, and a key part to understand is that like, this is the way that the military operates. Like you are given an order and you must execute. And that clarity and that understanding between the civilian world and military, I think is really essential to understand as we kind of look deeper into this, which is, as this starts to go down, as formations start to lose people, and as you start to kind of understand that this is going to, just like it's driving in our country right now, that this is going to drive kind of a, a little bit of strife internal to the units, it's going to degrade commitment. And, and it's going to degrade that commitment to the mission. It's going to degrade that commitment to each other. Uh, and how do we as leaders, um, or how do the military leaders, the junior leaders right now in these roles, which I don't envy, like how do you manage that and move forward? So, Chris, do you want to you want to jump in? And I know you've managed a lot of complex situation with teams and, and internal strife. I think this would be a good time to to lend some of that to this and jump in on it. Right. Something else that I wanted to address, though, is you know the military writ large compared to the private sector is a pretty small percentage, but this is extremely relevant to the civilian sector as well, or everybody, because again, the military does have that um, absolute hold over its participants, right? The uh, private sector has a lot less of it. You didn't sign a, you know, a waiver and a commitment and raise your right hand and everything when you took a job. So it doesn't take anything as serious as this vaccine mandate for people to start questioning their um, commitment to it, their commitment to the company, the corporation, what they're willing to sacrifice to stay a part of it. The military has a little bit less leeway. Military participants, soldiers have a little bit less leeway left and right to that. So in the civilian sector, I think it's much easier to encounter a problem that people may start leaving your organization or you may start losing commitment from. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that's a really good point too, Chris, is because when you look at that as well, and when you look at the discussion around vaccine mandates in the private sector, there's the argument that like, hey, if you're telling somebody they have to get a vaccine to keep their job, it's like, well, you have a choice. You could quit. Like that's that's literally the definition of co coercion, right? Like do this, you get to keep your job, but in the military, it's not coercion. Like you signed on that line. Like I have signed away my rights to be a private citizen, i.e. you own me. And if I don't follow your rules within like the guidelines of lawful orders, then there are legal ramifications for that. So I agree. Like, I think that it, it is, this is probably a more complex issue to deal with on the civilian side. But I also think it's more of, I think that the mission and structure of the military, that I think this is actually a bigger issue 
because instead of just worrying about like finding another employee, building another team, and how do you manage like the uh, the manpower issues that this causes or the legal issues as a business, now you're looking with like how do I manage and, and maintain people in a life and death mission set with this type of complex strife inside of the inside of the organization. Right. And so part of it is keeping a finger on the pulse of your organization, whatever it is, civilian, private sector, military, is how do you understand how far you can push your people or what they're willing to commit to and what's going to be the straw, you know, that breaks the camel's back or that makes people that is just too much for them to handle. So that gets into really understanding your people and continuing to reinforce the motivation, continuing to reinforce the um, commitment to your organization that's going to survive through those difficult times. So it's a, I mean, it's a complex scenario that I think we're th- we're seeing play out, not just in the military, but in the private sector, private sector right now. That highlights and, uh, an excellent point, Chris, in that you simply cannot generate commitment in an emergency. You know, it, commitment is a long, slow burn by a leader and an organization to develop that tight-knit uh, thought that I am a part of this organization, I belong with these people to my right and my left, and I have a purpose within this organization. It's not something that you can create in an instant uh, when there's something that comes down the pike that uh, you know has a negative effect on that cohesiveness of the element. And so with that, what we're finding is that perhaps there wasn't all that much commitment to begin with uh, for a lot of these people that are deciding to, to move on. Uh, and then that also highlights another issue for, for the military in particular is that you cannot generate force in an emergency as well. So they're, they're highlighting for themselves that they have a deficiency in the commitment, which then leads to uh, a problem with being with, with their readiness for when there is an emergency uh, conflict wise. And so uh, how do you deal with that at the upper echelon? That's that's a good question. But, you know, we're talking further down the, the, the pole. Yeah. I, I, OK, so I think we've I think we've shaped this pretty well. But and I want to kind of transition this conversation. I think everyone understands the issue that we're discussing, right, that we figured out the top-down driven problem that you know COVID's caused a ton of them at the in today, but now we can really look like drill it down a little bit and let's let's look at how do we start to deal with and shape this problem. So, Chris, you had a good point. You're like, hey, keep your finger on the pulse of the organization, right? So, I think a key part of that is like, how do you gauge the commitment of your people, uh, and then also inside of that, like keeping your finger on the pulse is important. So, like, let's start with how do you gauge the the pulse of your people, and then. Uh, some good kind of things or tricks you've used to really be in tune with what's going on in your organization. Right. We, you really have to um, pay attention. You have to consider commitment or trust uh, to be a fluid environment, right? Little things can cause um, a break in someone's, I mean, it can cause someone to doubt a little bit. You have to uh, pay attention to what's going on with your organization, understand your individuals, their motivations, really dig into what it is that does motivate them or why they are committed to your organization. Uh, continuing to reinforce that commitment, continuing to uh, find things to keep them engaged in your organization and your company and, you know, in military organizations, this applies writ large. So it takes trust in your subordinate leaders, understanding the leadership tenets of how you um 
get the investment out of your people and how you dig into their personal individual motivations. As we've seen before, you know, I think I've talked about it before on here, um, going into combat versus garrison or the non-combat environment, environment that the military calls it. Um, people will willingly put up with certain things in a garrison environment where it's safer because they're more concerned about promotion or they're more concerned about, you know, the, the survivability or the Maslow's hierarchy, as we've talked about, some of the more base needs are being met. So they're willing to put up with a little bit more. So leaders get a false sense of the resiliency and the commitment of their organization. But when shit hits the fan as it is, if you find yourself in combat, people may not be willing to put up with faults in leadership or lack of belief in the system as much because their fear of bodily harm and death are, are prevalent, right? So that changes people's commitment. So that's an example of a stressor that would change the resiliency and the commitment, the trust of your organization. Yeah, and as you've maintained those needs for uh, the need to belong and esteem needs, uh, when that emergency comes down the pike, what you need to do as a leader is simply be transparent. You need to objectively lay out, you know, what are the benefits to being in this organization and with the expectation that they'll far outweigh the negative aspects. But it's really that relationship that you've built over time that will be the, the deciding factor and that the emergency will be that test to determine whether or not that's been good enough, really. That's a that's a really interesting point, Stephen. And how do I how do I want to unpack that? Because really what you're saying is that if you haven't built relationships with your employees up to that point, then you have no idea what's going to happen. You're, you're really kind of the, the catastrophe hits. And you just got to hope that everyone's on the same page or, or things may fracture and, and, and kind of go a little bit more into that because I think that's a critical part. Uh, and then I, I kind of want to jump in on it too, because I have a little bit of a vignette, a personal story that I think ties into that part. Yeah. So the, the expectation, at least for me as a leader, is that from the beginning that I have been putting together a, an environment that's welcoming that where everyone wants to be a part of that and where everyone understands their purpose. And we're all working towards that same goal so that that way everybody wants to be there despite any adversities uh, that they may face. And so when these emergencies like this COVID mandate comes down the pike, uh, you just need to be objective and transparent. And so one of the things, too, is that um, commitment is is a two-way street. You have commitment to unit. Uh, you have commitment to your subordinates and your teammates as well. So, uh, you know, you have to balance that. And, of course, the, the commitment to the, the organization is going to be the thing that wins out. But you can maintain a balance to some extent with that so that you give your, your teammates and your subordinates an, uh, a fair shake. And so you, you got to objectively lay out what their options are and, and try to provide them the best avenue for them at this point, because they're going to make their own decision you know, as a, a grown individual and somebody who has their own equities to deal with, a family to provide for. And so you just need to be fair and objective with them in order to provide them the best avenue for them. So I think that's an interesting piece because you've talked about and you, and you really hammered right there, like, hey, if you don't have that personal relationship commitment to the organization is what you're going to have to drive, right? Yeah. Um, I, I want to shift this conversation a little bit because I, I think we've hit that, right? You got to keep your pulse on the feeling of your organization. If you don't have that relationship, like there's not a chance for that commitment to relation or that commitment to a personal base, like that personal commitment, then you're going to have to rely on the commitment to the organization and be transparent, lay out what that is and just do a cost benefit analysis. And then it's up to them. But I think 
really a challenge with this is where do you sit as a leader when that commitment to the organization is degraded uh, and you're kind of balancing the two as a leader, right? Like you have, I'm asking you to do something that I may, I may not personally believe in, right? I'm asking you to do something that is a requirement that we have to do. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm trying to maintain the personal relationship and commitment we have to each other as a leader and a subordinate. At the same time, I know that the commitment to the organization that is asking you to do these things may be degraded. So for me, in kind of a, a personal story to this is prior to uh, my deployment to Bosnia, we were going through our medical readiness, you know, our, our prep to go. And somehow in my previous deployments, I just never gotten a smallpox vaccine. Like, and, and you guys know that's the thing. Like you go to Iraq, you get a smallpox vaccine. You go to Afghanistan, you get smallpox. Somehow I just had never gotten it. And so I'm two weeks out from leaving on a, on a nearly year long deployment to Bosnia. And I'm going to his piece. They're like, well, hey, you don't have your smallpox vaccine. You need to get it. I was like, well, it's not on the country card. It's not like this is not an important thing for Bosnia. It's a live virus vaccine or like a pseudo live. I don't, I'm not a doctor, so I couldn't tell exactly what it is, but you have to cover it up. Like it's a nasty thing for like almost a month. Uh, and the side effects to it that are listed are pretty big. And one of them is like, it has some pretty huge impacts on the um, sexual performance of the male. So you have some impacts there. And it also has a negative impact on the, uh, like the ability if you're, if you're trying to have children. At the time, my wife and I were trying to have our third child. And so I was like, hey, man, like this is not required for the mission. Here's the Department of State stuff. Like, I think this is ridiculous. Like, let's just move on. He goes, no, this is the rule. This is what it's going to be. You're going to do it. And so I'm two weeks out, grab my commander who had a really good relationship. I was like, hey, sir, what's the deal? And he's like, I'll take a look at it. We'll get it. We'll get it done. And he did everything he could. And the answer was no. The answer was just straight up no. Right. Like, this is what you have to do. So this is the mission. This is the job. This is what the army is asking you to do. Uh, do it and move on. And so I did it. I moved on. And the last two weeks before this trip were absolutely just shit between my wife and I. Like it, the side effects came through with like on point. It ruined my wife's last night, two weeks together. We were unable to even try to have kids uh, prior to leaving. So this was a huge impact on my personal life, right? And so now at this point, like I've given a lot of time to the military, I've deployed multiple times to combat. And now I'm like, this is ridiculous. The icing on the cake and what really pissed me off and why I have some, uh, I have a lot of sympathy for the guys that are trying to stand up for what they believe in on this and what their perception of, of the vaccine may be is because I got to Bosnia and I'm doing my medical and processing with the embassy and the lead nurse there is looking at me and she's like, is that a smallpox vaccine that's not closed yet? I was like, yes, it is. She goes, and she's this super smart, like nice Bosnian lady. She goes, what the fuck? She's like, why did you do that? Like, that is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. And so I'm sitting there and I'm looking at the medical professional that's in charge of this, the medical professional that follows the Department of State, this entire thing. And I realized that the bureaucratic organization that was supposed to look at me as a weapon system, right? And it's supposed to manage men and mission together, right? Had been so stuck in its processes that all it cared about was it was fulfilling the check on the block. That doctor that was doing the thing at, at the medical processing did not care about me at all. Did not care about anything but checking the block in that process and move forward. And so for the beginning part of that, the beginning part of that mission, one, I'm dealing with the, the wreckage of my life with my wife and me leaving for a year, which is tough anyway, but then the what that vaccine led to in that time frame. And then two, 
I'm dealing with like in myself, a loss of trust in my organization, because I really felt at that point, I was like, I was literally betrayed for what reason. So at that time, that was really tough. And it it made me, I think, less effective for a little bit. I moved past it. We moved on. Everything was fine. But that still resonates to me as an important piece of this. So I understand like I am not making a comment on the COVID vaccine at all. I want to make that really clear. But I understand the thought process where when you look at the amount of media that is going around this, how guys can look at this and be like, I don't think anyone in here actually has my best my best thought about me and my best thought about the mission. Because you know, when you're talking about 200 plus Navy SEALs being removed from service, you got to look at it and be like, so what's the cost benefit analysis here? Like, and, and, and what is the impact to the force as this trickles down and how, as a leader, do you mitigate this massive thing? I mean, just from the contracting world, I think the federal stay, there was a stay on the federal mandate on the mandate for federal contractors. So now we're running into a system where the contractors that left because they didn't want to get the magazine mandate are now coming back. And now you're running into conflicts with the people that stayed are now like, well, why do you get to come back and get your job? Because I stayed and got the vaccine and you didn't. So now we're creating and we're running into that system of that degraded piece. And now that the fact that that mandate has gone away, you're running into more issues. So I think I went on a little bit of a tirade um, so and a little bit of a run. So I apologize. I'll dial this back in. But I do want to get to that part. Like when you hit this type of scenario that is happening across the world and you're losing your employees, and especially with DOD, your service members are losing faith in their ability for the or- and the commitment to the mission in the organization. How, as a leader, do you manage that and move past it? Like, how do you do it at this level? Because it's challenging and it's hard. And I think it's beyond just understanding the scope of what's going on in the organization. Like, do you take a hard stance? Do you connect with the person and say, hey, this is what it is, suck it up? Or what do you do? Yeah, um, you, you de- it's definitely challenging. And so <clears throat> I think that, uh, you know, you as a leader need to make your decision as well, because you're one of those many that are affected by this. And so are you going to remain with the organization or are you going to be the one that takes a stand as well? So you could be a part of the, the group that decides to, to you know, not go along. So once you've made that decision, then I think you can more clearly determine what your, your focus is going to be as a leader. But if you're a leader that's going to stick with the organization, uh, I think a lot of what you need to do is like what I described previously, be objective, be transparent. But also, too, uh, you need to highlight getting back to basics. What is the purpose of us being here? And, you know, make sure that everybody understands their purpose and, and say that, hey, in order to achieve this purpose, this is just another one of those stipulations that you have to go through. Uh, if you don't believe in that, then, well, there are options for you. Unfortunately, they, they have consequences. As all actions have consequences, it's just determined, you know, the, the difference might be is there's negative and there's positive consequences. So you know, make your own choices is, is what you need to do. And so uh, by being honest with your your constituency, with your unit, your people, uh, I don't think that they could ask m- more of you as a leader. But uh, in order to try to maintain that cohesion, uh, you just try to say, hey, you've got you know, brothers and sisters to your right and to your left that need you uh, to be here. Can you be here for them? Uh, and that's a decision that they need to make. Right. And Rob, two of the things that you really hit in your story there was uh, leaders or with the leadership was competence and humanity, right, is 
that the organization is looking out for me and making decisions in my best interest. And then also that they're making intelligent, well thought out, smart decisions, the right decisions, right? Those two things kind of resonated with me in your story. And so that's when you assess your organization, you have to look for those things. And if they're not there, you have to make an effort as a leader to emphasize the humanity and the competence of your decisions. That's really good, man. I think that's a really good point. I think that's, that's where it, cause I think looking back on that, like I left that feeling that my leadership had done everything for me. Right. So my faith in my leadership wasn't really broken. My faith in my organization was degraded quite a bit, right? My commitment to both, but I had a commitment to that leader who'd asked me to do a job and I knew he put himself out there to support me the best way he could. So I think that's it. Like you can, as a leader, you have to support people to the best of your ability, but in the end, you're going to look at some things that you just cannot move as a leader and you're going to have to reach out be empathetic, talk to the people and respect their peace and try to support them the best you can. But Steve, to your point, at some time, you're going to have to take a look at something and be like, look, here's the hard facts. I can't make this decision for you. You have to make it yourself and just kind of go from there. Hey, Rob, I think you bring up a good point, too, and to, and to try to build the resiliency in whatever organization you're in, in terms of a problem set like this. I think that you need to develop commitment on multiple levels, developing commitment to the organization, developing commitment to the leader, developing commitment to those to the right and left of you, developing commitment in self and in the mission. So if you've got that multi-tiered uh, commitment in place, that's a lot of commitment to be broken if you're going to make a decision that extracts you from that position and from that organization. So that's a really tough sell on any one individual for, for any emergency that pops up. So that just makes it a little bit more difficult for someone to, to leave because of how important they've identified themselves as being as a part of this element. Right. And identifying the factors that you can't affect and then identifying the factors that you can affect and emphasizing those and building the commitment and the resiliency to the things that you can affect, right? And that's different for every situation, but ultimately you have to take a step back and look at, look at the data, look at what's coming down, what you have control over and try to emphasize commitment to the things that you do have control. I think that's, that's a huge piece too, is as a leader, you focus on what you can control and you try to mitigate the impact of the things that you can't, right? But you can't ever mislead or, or step away from your subordinates and give them the impression that you can control things that you can't. I think you have to be really clear on, hey, here's what I can do and here's what I can. That transparency is huge. Uh, and I think as a leader, you end up spending less of your time spinning your wheels and dealing with stuff that you can't affect if you really do just focus on like, hey, here's the three things that I can manage inside my team or my organization. And then we're just going to have to be, well, people are going to have to make their own decisions on the other side of that. Yeah, it's a challenge. Like this is a this is a tough scenario, and I think this is a it has a little bit of a personal piece to me just from the issues I had uh, before. But I think there this is a tough scenario when you're talking about getting people to make a decision about their own health that has an impact on their work, and that's a challenge, and that's tough, especially in today's information environment, which is just an absolute utter shit show. <laughs> I think we can all agree on well, right? On and when it catches. <laughs> When it catches people off guard too, right? I mean, nobody knew the pandemic was coming, et cetera. So a lot of organizations are completely unready to handle this. And a lot of people had no idea what the commitment or the resiliency of their organization was. So I think it's important also to continually test that and not in a bad or a negative way, but continually assess 
how with it your people are, how committed they are to the organization. And you do that by challenging your organization and, you know, anything. I mean, from an engineering perspective, we do, you know, a stress test and you see what breaks first, right? I mean, you start, you don't have to test it to the point of failure necessarily, but you can start to tell what needs improvement. And so continually monitoring your organization, your leaders, your personnel in that way is important. Absolutely. That was fantastic. Um, yeah, I think that's, I, I think we've nailed that one down. I think that was good. Again, with commitment, I think that we could spend, I mean, Steve, just on what you closed up on with commitment, we could easily go back into how to build those different echelons of commitment. I think we should at some point. Uh, but just, it is one of those topics that is so essential as a leader to, to understand and to be able to build that I think we could talk about it in, in perpetuity, realistically. But uh, let's do it. Let's do, let's go around the horn. Uh, I think we're at a good place to kind of tie this guy up unless there's any closing comments. Cause Chris, I like what you said. And I think that put a good bow on it, man. So Chris, I'm going to pass it over to you and then Steve for your final thoughts. And then we'll, we'll close the sucker out. Sure. No. And I mean, this is our best, you know, the three of us, this is our best shot at these. They're super complicated answers that I'm sure people much smarter than us are, are confounded by some of it too. I mean, it, it's a continual process. It's a learning process, just as leadership in general is, right? Exposing yourself to more stuff. So um, I think it's been interesting talking about it. We certainly didn't solve the problem. Hopefully we gave some people some insight or at least some um, insight into our minds or some of our experiences. So that's all I have. Yeah. So long as you, uh, you keep mission first people always, and you know, making sure that their best interests are in mind when you provide that, that, that honest, unbiased, objective feedback and guidance and so on. That's what's going to really build trust over time. So that's what, you know, I've relied on in order to get those who I've been surrounded by to follow me. And that's, that's what I continue to rely on in, in this current emergency. So, uh, that's all I can, that's all I can impart really. I like it. Well, hey, thank you so much again, uh, Rob, Chris, and Steve, founders of Sine Pari, and your hosts here at the uh, Without Equal podcast. Follow us and subscribe on any of the podcasting platforms, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, all those good ones. Uh, we're also available on Rumble and YouTube if you want to watch the full video piece of this. Uh, and if you will take it, if you really want to dig into leadership and, and really focus on, on growing as a leader, uh, take a look. Follow Steve or uh, Call Sign Fancy's blog. Uh, on senepare.com and if you get the chance come on out and uh, take one of our courses and we'll we'll help you shape who you are so thank you very much and uh, hopefully we'll have you out here listen to us again soon cheers cheers